0: You're listening to the podcast of Always Forward, the church planting initiative of the Anglican Church in North America, helping plant gospel-centered, sacramental, missional churches. For more information and resources, please visit always-forward.com. Canon Dan Alger, Canon for Church Planting for the Anglican Church in North America. And we've been working on a bit of a tool uh, to try to help churches as they are looking at uh, coming together again for public worship, and w- whether this is for a uh, a small church plant or a larger established church there 's a lot of questions that are um, that, that, uh, that that surround this idea of safely coming back together again uh, there 's physical questions there 's emotional questions there 's spiritual questions. There's tactical questions. Um, and so what we try to do is put together a little bit of a, a framework to be able to help you work through this with, with your team. And it's just a suggested framework. We wanna I wanna work through this with you real quick. Um and uh, and uh, and give you steps that you can then take and use it from step one to step six, or or tweak it or change it or throw some of it out. Whatever you want to do. This is just a place to get you started thinking about this and all of the uh, all of the multifaceted, um, complicated aspects of of what this means to start to uh, come back together again uh, publicly as the church as, as your local government restrictions start to, start to lessen. So let me jump right into this tool and, and I'll show you what it is that, that we're working through. Uh, so let me share my screen here. Okay. So what you've got here is, um, is, is our, uh, our six step process that we went through with the local church where I attend. I attend Church of the Redeemer in Greensboro, North Carolina, where, uh, where Canon Allen Hawkins is the, is the rector of the church. And so, uh, um, he asked me to help our staff and leadership work through a, uh, this process. And so this is the tool that, that, um, that, that I put together to help our local church make these decisions. Okay. Um, so it says on here, uh, scenario planning and if you research scenario planning or if if you have your MBA or something and you went through training in scenario planning, what we're talking about right now is not actually true scenario planning. True scenario planning is, is boundless of what ifs. I mean, um, uh, it's it, scenario planning was really popularized in the 1970s by the Shell Company, uh, Shell Corporation, a Shell company, that's a different thing. The Shell Corporation, um, and it's and it's really asking what if, what, what if anything, what if, what um, if what what if uh, um, what if we run out of oil? What if we what if we have an oil spill over here? What if we have a fire? What if oil prices do this? What if oil prices do that? And we are we're when we're talking about scenario planning here, we're we're kind of talking about bounded scenario planning, if that's a thing. We're we are talking about scenarios within a scenario. We know that that we have been. Uh, um, we have not been able to meet publicly as a church, and we're going to be able to meet at some point in the future. The question is, we don't know what that progression will look like. And in fact, it'll be very different in different places for for how you're able to come together in what numbers. Um, and so so this kind of sort of bounded scenario planning helps us to say there's multiple, let's prepare for multiple scenarios and what our response will be for each okay so we put together this six six step process and i'll just go through it really quick quickly with you and we're going to make this template available to you ours this one's filled in because this is the one that we used but but you can delete the things you need to delete uh and uh, and make it yours and of course change the redeemer thing put your church's name up there no one will know that anybody else did this, but you. Uh, and so, uh, so here, here's the, the six steps laying the foundations of, of what the regathering team is about the team of people that are helping to kind of lay out this process and the guiding values which we'll talk about in a minute, then, then start to work through some, some scenarios, uh, and then do a bit of an inventory of, of assets. What do we have to bring to bear on those scenarios and what, in what areas in the church will be impacted by the decisions that we make? Uh, number four is our strategic response. So this is the strategies that we come up with in light of the scenarios that we are laying out. Uh, and then the last two is that what are the required policies that are needed for the execution of those strategies in a, in, in a safe way um, and uh, with proper boundaries? And then lastly, what are the next steps that aren't contained in this document, but that still need to still need to be taken care of? So um, let, me, let me walk through this with you real quick. Um, first of all, uh, in, under foundations, first, we defined what this regathering team is about. And we said that we're discussing possible regathering scenarios. We're using this term regathering. It's, it's not ours. Somebody else came up with it, but we took it because reopening assumes that the church was closed at some point And. Well, the church hasn't ever been closed. We just haven't been meeting publicly, right? Um, and so, uh, so, so we are regathering as a, as a body. So, we want to discuss regathering scenarios. We want to suggest strategy for regathering and ministry offerings. And and what we mean by that is that this team isn't. We're, we haven't put together an authoritative team who's making all these decisions, but rather is gathering a lot of the information, working through this long process to make suggestions. Ultimately, the decision. Here lie in the hands of uh, of the rector in consultation and in and, and working with the vestry in the appropriate ways that those two bodies interact. Um, so this group doesn't isn't the authoritative group that makes the decisions, but lays out a cohesive plan to make the job of the rector and the and the vestry a lot easier. Uh, in this and then and then finally to give policy recommendations, uh, and we'll talk through what that looks like in a minute, especially why they're recommendations and not just make policy. Okay. So. So then then the question is our guiding values how what are we holding dear as we're making all the rest of these decisions okay what what are the assumptions that we're making what are the things that we are going to not compromise and and if you jump right to strategy you assume these uh, these guiding values and that's never a good thing because um, because we might not all have the same assumptions on that so our guiding values the way that we articulate it is this first we're our, our primary value is faithfulness to the mission of Christ. In other words, that the mission of the church is still the same mission no matter what our situation or scenario is. That goes unchanged uh, no, matter, no matter where we are. So all of the things that the church does, the church is still going to do. Worship, discipleship, service, evangelism, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. All those things that the church is about, the church is still about. Um, this isn't the time when we're asking greater ecclesiology, greater questions of ecclesiology. Well, should the church, should the church be? Be publicly meeting and maybe we should just move to house churches from now on no 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 this isn't this is not the time to be processing through all of those kind of missiological questions in that way now we are processing through some questions about our methods of mission and 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 how we're offering the things that we're offering and how we're doing the things that we're doing that that that's great but these aren't this is not the time for ecclesiological questions um that in the midst of this um, uh, of of this crisis that we're in, and and the the um, the coming together after. Okay, so so number one, faithfulness to the mission of Christ. Number two is the safety of our people. We we hold that very dear, and we want to make sure that we are that we're honoring that. I believe it was Bishop Todd Hunter in the email that he sent out to his uh, to his churches, where I'm paraphrasing what he said, but basically he said, "I would rather take criticism uh, of people saying." you opened too late and you could have done this sooner rather than take criticism that says you opened too early and you actually caused harm in, in the lives of some people. Um, and I, and I totally agree of it's better to have more caution in this. Now this is a good time to be able to say this caveat as well. This is a very difficult time to be able to make decisions because there's a ton of information out there. Uh, and the question becomes then, um, uh, what information do we trust, and uh, and we don't want to fall into the trap of not being not trusting anybody and not trusting any of the information. and Then we just make stuff up ourselves. On the other hand, we don't want to fall into any information that comes along that supports our way of thinking that we want to uh, uh, that we want to believe that we're going to believe that. So we have to find trusted sources. And and a lot of that is communally talking through this and working this out together. But there's also, it's not just about information. It's about interpretation of that information that, that, um, Every state in our nation, and, uh, and I'm sure all the governments in Canada as well, who, from you folks in Canada who might be watching this, um, they all have access to the same information. And yet, they're coming to different conclusions about when and how to reopen businesses and get the economy moving. I live in North Carolina. Virginia, this weekend, as of the time of recording this, is opening up public worship Uh, opening up churches to allow them for public worship. And I don't remember if it's less than 50 people or if it's 50% capacity. I don't, I don't remember, but, but they've made that decision. South Carolina below us is, is, uh, is opening up restaurants for, for dine in Um, their, their beaches are open. There's, There's a lot of, of really open things in South Carolina, North Carolina. We are, as of the time of recording this, still only able to gather in groups of less than 10 people. And in, in public worship inside a space is, is it, it's got to be less than 10 people. Uh, outdoor worship is a different thing. But um, so these three states, all in geographic proximity to one another, have all made different decisions based on the same kind of data. So w- the reason I tell you this is because... Um, no matter what decisions you make, there are going to be people who are going to disagree because they, have, they believe different data or interpret that data differently. So what's so important and why this process is important is that when you are transparent with the process, what you're asking people is, look, we want to show you how we went about making decisions so that even if we come to a different conclusion in the end, that you can respect that we've done this striving for the right things and that we can share a heart on the right things that we've tried to do this prayerfully and with wisdom and with knowledge and seeking out counsel and and right voices. Um, That, uh, that, uh, that that to show them that this process has been stewarded well, or else they're going to assume that the decisions you make are arbitrary, uh, and they're going to disagree with you and say, "Well, you think that? I think this whole thing is a hoax." Someone else is going to say, "I I don't think we should open again until next year." And when you can say, "I, I get where everyone's coming from. Here's the data we used. Here's how we made our decision. And and we're asking for grace, and we're asking for mercy, and we're asking for for a striving towards unity in this." and 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 a lot of people are going to be very receptive to that. Some people aren't, but you're a leader, you know how that goes. So, so that is important why why we're going through this process and why this uh this six-step process is is important for us to walk through in with a lot of transparency and communication as well. So, we're concerned about the safety of our people, physically, emotionally, relationally, spiritually, that's concerning for us. Third, um unity and community is the third thing that we said, because again, we know there's going to be different interpretations of this, but we're asking people to put aside their own preferences and opinions for the sake of unity in the church. And we want people to know that, that, that you as an individual are not alone and that we as a body are moving are moving together and walking through this together you can trust your leadership and you can trust that you're surrounded by folks who love you and care for you so so important amongst your staff amongst your lay leaders amongst your clergy stressing unity right now is vitally important okay so the fourth thing is uh, collaboration This is a guiding value for us. In other words, we're going to listen to the governing authorities. Now, when we say listen, what what that means is that we're not going to get ahead of governing authorities. We're not going to say, oh, well, they said we can only meet with less than 50, but we don't care. We're going to meet with 100. No, we've done things like, I don't know, read Romans 13, and we respect the laws of the land. And so we're not going to get ahead of them. Uh, At the same time, um, um, we're going to use wisdom. That's the next step here of just because they say we can doesn't necessarily mean that we Should Um, if something is permissible, it doesn't necessarily mean it's beneficial. So that's where wisdom and communal discernment come in. So collaboration, then governing authorities, diocesan guidelines. We want to be in collaboration with our diocese, with our bishop, with uh, with our uh, with our Anglican family as well. And then we and we want to apply wisdom to how we make choices within those guidelines, uh, as those in authority give them to us as well. And of course, part of wisdom is making prayerful decisions. So these are our guidelines values that, uh, that help dictate all of the rest of the decisions that, that we make. Again, Extremely important to communicate those values as to how you came to the conclusions that we're about to come to. So the second thing we went through is, is into scenarios. Then let's start to brainstorm some scenarios, and we walk through internal variables and external factors. So internal variables are things on the inside that could change uh, due to uh, due to societal changes, response to um, uh, response to the virus, etc. That, that we need to consider that could impact how and why we make decisions. Okay. So one is finances. Um, they could be up, they could be down. What, but it's, we don't know where that's going to be over the course of the next number number of months. Uh, so that's a variable for us that we have to consider. Then the second thing that we came up with together is, is people. And, and we broke this down into a couple of subgroups. One it people, their participation. And, and when we talk about participation, some is their ability to participate. If somebody is 75 with severe asthma, um, they they they're very much at risk and are going to make different choices than perhaps someone who is is in a healthier state than uh, than that person is so it, so even if they want to be a part of a larger group gathering that's going on, do they even have the ability to be able to do that? And then the second question is the willingness. Some people might be able to, um, but are not willing for for numerous reasons. Fear, um, uh, they just don't know how to make this decision. They, just, they're, they have social anxiety. We want to keep track of, of all of that and, and consider that in our decisions. The next thing is our clergy staff lay leader availability. So where do they fall in this ability willingness category as well? And those are variables that go up and down depending on on where we are and uh, what's happening. The third thing of an internal variable is capacity. And so we broke this down into program and physical space. When we talk about program, I know that's kind of a sticky word, but we don't have time to wordsmith all this right now. Okay. So programs are the ministry offerings that we're offering with, within the church. Like how are we responding? What are we organizing as the church? Um, and so we're going to have a program capacity um, for numerous reasons, but um what, because things are a little harder to put together, take more technology or whatever else, um, what, um, what can we handle? What's the, what are the things that we can do? And what's just, we just don't have the bandwidth. We just don't have the availability to be able to do it. And also physical space. For example, if the government says you can meet with, uh, 50% capacity up to 200 people, well, we can't, we how do you have a, a, a physical do you have a physical building that can seat two hundred people all six feet apart so there's a there's a physical space issue here of of saying okay so we're allowed to seat two hundred people, but we can't seat two hundred people socially distanced right that's something that we have to consider in in this as a variable. The next thing is external factors. So stuff outside that is being, that that will have effect on us. And so as we brainstorm this, government assembly restrictions. And so we're, again, we're following the laws of our land. And so are they going to go up? Are they going to go down? What, what's, those are things that are going to affect how we can Offer what we offer as the church. Also, um, seasonal rhythms. So, so people and weather is with the way we said this. Seasonal rhythms being, what's this summer going to be like? Are people going to go on vacation? Are they not going to go on vacation? Um, and so, are, is is summer attendance going to be a thing, or are people going to be around and actually want to be engaged because all of their summer camps and everything were canceled and their in their sports camps and whatever else? So there's actually more opportunity to be able to connect with them in a, in a Place that we can reach out into our community. Um, also, weather. So let's say we we're we're going to make the decision to we're going to start to have outdoor worship. Well, that sounds great right now um, in in May, but what does that mean for July in North Carolina, where it might be 98 degrees um, and uh, not not the band, the temperature? So so that uh, that it might be might be really hot and humid, and you've got everybody sitting out uh, in the sun. That might not work uh, for an hour or more long service. So those are external factors we can't control that affect our decisions as well. Another is the bishop's instructions. We're in submission to our bishop, and so then he might say, you, you must, or you can't, or you could, and we want to listen to that. Also, um, virus spread. Um, that where's this, uh, where, what's going to happen? Numbers going up, numbers going down. Uh, there's, a, there's a great uh, article uh, by, um, by Ed Stetzer um, that he also reiterated a lot of what he said in the article in a, in an interview with Anglican Compass. And so we'll try to put the link down here for you to be able to find those, those two things. But Stetzer references another article um, that talks about the, the the hammer and the dance. And then to summarize it, basically the saying is, look, when, when this this whole virus thing pandemic started happening, And we didn't have a lot of data. We didn't know how it was going to go. To prepare for the worst, there had to be broad, sweeping, heavy mandates right from the start. General. All right. That's it. Everything stop. Everybody go home until we figure this out. Now, um, what, what we 're learning and seeing and observing and, and, and figuring out is that the virus isn't going to spread the same way in in every place, and so it 's m- more going to be crop up in different different places and so as the as the hammer blow that first initial broad sweeping heavy chunk um, at the beginning, as that starts to lessen what 's going to have to happen is that decisions on restrictions and such are going to have to go more local and react to outbreaks that may come. In different places, so the restrictions then on meeting capacity, etc., are going to have to be more of a local decision, and so so then that means that we have to what Stetzer calls be an accordion church, right? That uh, that we need to make decisions that we can go big when we can get big, we can get smaller when we need to get smaller, depending on uh, uh, in our reaction to local decisions on um, on um, on restrictions, etc. Reacting to the spread of the virus; those are external things that we can't control, but that we need to keep an eye on, and and make decisions that that offer things that are scalable, that can grow and 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 shrink according to how we need to adapt to our situation. The other thing that we can control is virus treatment advancement. The, the better we get at treating this, um, uh, the the less of a of a, of a death risk that it is. And I'm not saying there isn't any risk. We'll get to that in just a minute. Um, but we can't control that. Um, when is a vaccine going to come? When does, uh, I'll put tracing underneath there as well of it's not really treatment, but we can kind of figure out how to be able to, um, report who's been where and with whom as scary as that is that that can happen. That's a, that's, that's part of assuring safety and all of this. So those are external factors that we need to consider. So what we did was we took all of that and then said uh, that we're going to we're going to brainstorm some scenarios. And because we wanted to have a limited scope in this, we didn't just want to say anything could happen. Like, what if aliens come tomorrow and drop down a cure for us? I suppose that's a scenario, but probably not going to happen. And so so we said, let's stick with the scenarios that are more probable um, because of limited time and bandwidth to be able to, to go through this process, let's stick in the middle here. And then we're going to go back to the drawing board if the aliens come um, next week with, with the cure for this thing. Um, So here's the scenarios that we brainstormed and talked through Um, that there's a scenario of a continued trajectory towards relaxed restrictions. So um, it's less than 10 now. We're assuming in the next couple of weeks, it's probably going to go to 50. Um, and then who knows after that, are they going to open to, well, 200 cap uh, on gathering, or will it be a 50% capacity for areas? We don't know where it's going to go until it finally gets to the place of there aren't any restrictions at all. That's a scenario. Another scenario is what we just talked about with oscillating restrictions, that it expands and contracts uh, in response to local outbreaks. And so how do, how do we respond to that well? And the, the third thing is, is what we talked about earlier um, in our variables. There is a, we have to consider the scenario of financial decline. And we have to work through scenarios of what happens if our, uh, if our budget is 10% less. 30% less, 50% less than what we assumed that it was going to be uh, it, uh, over the course of this um, this year. How are we gonna to react to those different things? Now, again, true scenario planning would say, well, what if it's 10, 20, 50% higher because people are are more generous? And that is a true scenario, but in the interest of time, as we uh, as as we're coming together as a group, those are easier decisions to make uh, than 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 10, 30, 50 percent less. So in the interest of preparing in advance, we stuck with these three are going to be our main focuses of possible scenarios. So here's what we did next. Number three, we went through our response modules. We wanted to do a bit of of an assessment of inventory. What do we have to bring to bear on these different scenarios? What areas are going to experience impact when we do this? So, response modules: what are the things that we already have in place as the church that we can leverage quickly to be able to be faithful to the mission of Christ as one of our guiding values? I mean, how do we do it safely and how do we do it in collaboration? Um, all of those things that we had in our guiding values so we, we have community groups and we 'll call them small groups, house groups, whatever. Um, that includes college ministry, youth ministry, uh, uh, Bible studies, etc. We have those. We have care groups that are that everyone that's a member of the church is a part of a care group that that helps with the pastoral care and checking on them. That's a structure that's already in place. We called the next one sanctuary worship. So think about just normal, um, typically Sunday morning worship. That's something that that we have um, that we can that we can leverage. Online worship we haven't had before, but we have now uh, is now is now in place as we've done evening prayer together every night uh, every weeknight uh, throughout this pandemic. So that's another thing that we can 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 leverage here then summer growth groups we we do groups for discipleship and such and we're talking about how we could throughout the summer offer multiple classes that have online teaching and then a face-to-face uh discussion that could have people face-to-face as as that's an opportunity and available to us and along with the opportunity for people to be able to zoom in to be able to have a discussion uh on what they've watched in the videos. Those are already existing. Now, we also have brainstorm. what are some of the things that in just previous conversations to this are new responses that we could start. Um, and as you go through this process, you might have to come back up here as more ideas come out and put some more under this possible new response me- modules here. But um, we said city groups is something we've wanted to do for quite some time, but haven't, uh, haven't been able to yet. And so this could be a great opportunity to be able to bring some of these city groups in. So we've talked about what if three-ish community groups come together into a larger group um, that they could gather to keep it less than 50, um, and they gather once a month while we're not able to have large group worship on a Sunday morning in person so we could keep those groups smaller. Um, and so what exactly that looks like? Well, those are still details that we need to work out. Like, can we get together to worship? Uh, what? Well, okay, but are we going to sing are we not going to sing like those all that's all execution of these strategies that will have to be figured out but city groups would allow then us to have the small groups in the community groups the uh the online group and then and we'd have a medium group uh, together that, that that could that remove some of the complications of a larger group but gives them the benefit of being able to actually interact with other people in the church so we're talking about putting city groups into place and then uh, weekday Eucharist. One of the, the hardest parts about this is that we haven't been able to share the sacrament of communion together. So we brainstormed, how could we do that? So we talked about weekday outdoor Eucharist and having them at multiple times so that there's a brief service um, and uh, and it, it, people could come according to their own schedules and the, so that we could be part of sharing the sacrament together at different times. And we said, hey, if the city groups are gonna meet, Maybe we could have a city group meeting and then and then have a brief service of the Eucharist right after that. So people who wanted to stay for that could, and um, people who needed to go could, but that's another place where we could be word and sacrament churches like we feel like the church needs to be. It, these are the things that that we've processed through. You're gonna have to figure that out. I know that brings up another question, all other questions of well, how are you gonna do the sacraments? Are you gonna do it one kind or, beyond the scope of what our time together here uh, we we have that ability to talk through that tonight. So, but good questions. You're going to have to work those out. Um, We've also talked about weekday children's catechesis classes. If there, if, if this summer is going to be one where most of the outside the church activities are canceled, is this a gap that we could fill safely and properly um, so we we're exploring that as well. So those are our response modules, and then we just brainstormed. Okay, any of these decisions that we make about what how what we're going how we're going to respond, let's list all the areas that are going to be impacted. So the primary sanctuary worship time on Sundays, secondary gatherings like small groups, our summer offerings, children, youth, staff capacity. What are they going to be able to 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 handle um in all of this what what are we going to have to cut either forever or temporarily to make sure that our staff can get the things done that need to get done and stay healthy in the process themselves the next one is is volunteer availability it's important one to process through what if a lot of your volunteers in a particular area are people who are at high risk and it's going to be longer before they come back into public worship than it is a, a lot of the other people who are in that area of ministry how are we going to take inventory of our volunteers who are willing and able to to be there, um, and how is that going to affect what we 're able to offer as uh, as a church? Um, <clears throat> then the last thing is space restrictions which we 've already we 've already talked about um, to, to some degree as well so here 's what we came up with in processing through then step four our strategic response. We talked about key change indicators. In other words, what are things that we're looking for to know that we might need to shift what we're offering as a, as a large group. And again, you know, if you're watching this and you're thinking, Oh, this is so like attractional church model. Uh, listen, I get the gathered, scattered church, all that kind of stuff. I get it. I'm a, I'm a mission guy. Church planning is, is my heart and passion. Those of you who know me know that well, uh, it doesn't matter what you do. The church is an organization, and there are going to be things that you are organizing. And so, uh, <laughs> um, it, it's it's just the nature of what it means when two or three are gathered. There has to be organization. And if you and if you want to go from two to three to four, then there's a certain amount of attraction in that. So let's not get into that debate right now. But as we're looking at what can we offer um, as the church, what are some of the the, the indicators that are going to affect? Um, when we need to to look at whether what we're offering is is right and proper, so we we brainstormed these. Of course, change in government mandates. We we'll talked through that, CDC recommendations. Um, a big one for us is opening of schools, and we'll get back to that in just one second. Um, opening of sports venues is another one uh, of where there's a lot of people gathered. Why are organizations like that making the decisions they're making? And then we also said that we want to do a congregational survey now. I'm not most of the time a guy who likes congregational surveys very much Um, that uh, I just don't think it's the best mechanism to actually hear what the church needs to do and and how we're doing. People will say things in surveys that they probably shouldn't say or if they should say and they should say them in interpersonal Uh, uh, communication rather than through a survey. But I think in this case, it is important because we need to ask questions of like, where are you right now? If we were to have a gathering of 50 people where social distancing practices are maintained, would you come? Um, Or what would be your biggest fears in that? Or what, um, what, uh, what would you be okay with you, for your children as a part of that we want to know where people are so we don't just assume oh they all want to get out of their house and they'll come or assume nobody's going to want to leave they're all going to be afraid well let's ask them um and so uh so we want to do a congregational survey and you'll see in a minute that we're actually going to do that every month same survey every month because if you if you we took a survey eight weeks ago four weeks ago and then today about how we should respond to COVID-19 your filling of that out would probably be different. And most everybody would. So times and things are changing quickly. Uh, We want to be at the place where where we're getting real time data. And so we're going to repeat this very short, easily accessible congregational survey monthly to, to continue to know the heart of our congregation. So then we talked about time metrics, and this was an interesting conversation, in other words, how should we measure this? Should we say well, for one month we 're going to do this, and then two months we 're going to do that and we said no, you know we can 't actually do that like a calendar time metric because we don 't know how things are going to develop um, so a better gov- a better time metric for us of 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 tracking is let's keep an eye on the government, government reopening phases because that affects significantly sort of the cultural interpretation of the present narrative. Um, and so how, how do we kind of run in parallel with that, even if we're making different decisions? So here's the heart of it in this gray square rectangle. um here's the two strategic responses uh, that we came up with. This is a place you're going to have to decide what you want to do. Again, I'm not trying to fill this out for you to say, we came up with this for everybody's church. This is what we did in our church. You use this template to come up with what you need to come up with. Okay. So what we said was when, uh, immediately right now, uh, as soon as we can, we're going to have a zoom forum to explain this, this plan and communicate this plan and how we went through this process. Um, And so we're going to do that uh, ASAP. Now, when government restrictions are greater than, or sorry, less than 50, so you can meet up to 50, here's what we're going to do. Community groups that don't usually meet through the summer, we decided to to keep them going through the summer and to say face-to-face meetings are allowed with the proper precautions, which we'll get to down in policy, okay? Sunday worship. We're going to do the multiple weekday Eucharist, like like we explained um, in the Zoom services that we're doing. We're using Zoom. You might do Facebook Live or whatever on Sunday mornings. Those are going to continue with no in-person participants. So what that means is, even though they're allowing us to let fifty people into the church building, we're not going to do it. And there's multiple reasons for that. One, how do you choose which fifty people you're going to put in there and not other people? And and then how are you going to uh, how are you going to sterilize everything and just turning over that space. Uh, and, and then what happens if two weeks later they say, okay, now you can have a hundred. Well, how do we then change everything for another 50 people? This is where we decided in our, in our caution in this, and you might come to a different interpretation that from a cost benefit uh, analysis of this, it's not worth the cost for, for the benefit of 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 taking 50 of our congregation and getting them into into a building. Now, our, uh, all said and told, the, the people in number around this church, to give you some scale around this, we usually have over 300 on a Sunday, um, but there's 500 people in the orbit around the church in some way or another. And so we said, when we go back to the questions of capacity, staff capacity, spacing, et cetera, if we said, okay, what if we went to multiple services so that everybody could fit in? Well, if you decide to do that, you need to plan not only for your people who normally come, but remember you're a missional church. You're asking people to bring people with you. So you need to have space and proper procedure and policy for for people who have never been to your church before to come now. Um, The last thing you want is them to be turned away. I'm like, I'm sorry, you don't have a ticket um, that you had to know somebody to get. Um, And so, uh, so we're not going to do 10 services on a Sunday uh, to try to fit 350 to 500 people in there. We're, we're not doing that. Um, uh, We can't do that. It would, it would, uh, it would wear everyone out their capacity issues. So we said, when they say 50, we're still not going to a large group on a Sunday. We're not rushing into that. You might make a different decision. Summer growth groups, I already talked about that. We're going we're gonna to really lean into that and offer a lot of those so the discipleship aspect and the con- con- connection aspect can continue. And we have a farm that's attached to our church as well, and we're saying they need to keep up their service efforts, and we need to continue to support them in the great work that they are doing. So that's where we are. That's what comes into play after you can meet up to 50 people. Now, all the next marker that we have is after the opening of schools. Notice we don't have 100. This is what we're going to do. 250 gap. This is what we're going to do. We said to take the pressure off a lot of that. Our next significant key change indicator is going to be the opening of schools because the 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 uh, the societal situation will have changed then when it goes from okay here's stuff we're permitting you to do to the government saying you have to unless you homeschool uh send your kids into this crowded space by mandated law you have to do that the the cultural narrative will have changed at that point um and so when we say should we gather as a church or not if parents are already willing to send their kids into that s- slobbering ball that is a school, right, um, that, that they're going to be much more likely to go, yeah, fine, we, we'll come and be a part of what's happening to church, might as well, I'm at work, they're at school, this, it's fine. Um, so after the opening of schools, what we said is Sunday morning, large gathering will be reconsidered. Notice we didn't say when they open schools, we're going back. But rather to say that's a huge indicator for us of of reconsidering what we're doing and the the probability of going back to a large public uh, worship time. All right. So then we said we want to make sure that we evaluate. We want to have evaluation metrics so that so we don't just make a decision and move on here uh, that we want to say uh, the um, that that we need to continue as situations change to be able to evaluate, get feedback and change things if necessary. So the regathering team that we put back together will meet monthly um, or after any significant change to public policy. So, so if the government says, all right, you can meet with up to a hundred people. Now we are going to get together and say, okay, now we said, we're not changing anything in this. We are still in that place. How's everything working? Um, and, uh, and the metrics for our evaluation of how are we doing will be the results of the monthly congregational survey that I said uh, that I mentioned earlier, and participation numbers. So we're asking all of our community group leaders to, to report we use planning center online, you could use a Google form or whatever, just simply report after all of their meetings Two two things and two things only. Did you meet online or in person, so we know uh, what decisions our leaders are making, and then two, how many folks did you did you have there? Because we want to know not only what people say they're going to do but what they actually did as well, and we've stressed this to our staff that this is not about policing and do you were you effective enough, and did you have enough people? This is about making sure that um that that what we're offering and the way that we're doing the work of mission um, will also, uh, is, is, is hitting at the heart of where the people are in their availability. Okay. So we're asking them to report those things to us so that we can have proper data to be able to make decisions with. Okay. So now last, uh, last two things here, we said, okay, if that's going to be our strategy, what are the required policies that we need in place to govern those, those, um, Uh, those practices. And this we found was when we rolled this out to our staff to get their feedback on, we got a lot of really positive feedback on this. Because what it does is it says, okay, generally, here's where we're going. And we want to put up fences that say, don't go over there. Um, We're going to make these kind of big decisions for you of mapping out a general green pasture. But in in the middle of that, you have freedom within fences, right? Like you get to make decisions, uh, are your people going to in your community group going to wear a mask or not wear a mask? Well, we want to say you guys have communication about that. You guys talk through that. We're not going to mandate that. Um, but, but let us help you know how to make decisions in that and work it out together as a community group. And if you need our help, then, then we'll help as well. But, uh, but, but that's, but we're not going to mandate that. Now, other things we are going to mandate. Um, and so social distancing measures, these are areas of consideration. What are things we need to talk about? Social distancing measures, PPE requirements, in other words, masks, sanitation procedures, long-term real-time. And then we we had put on here, do we need to talk about registration for public worship because we're stewarding physical space? But when we start talking through that, we said, no, we're not doing that. Like we just, and you might come to a different conclusion, but for us, we said, no, this is, we want to go, we want to leverage the other city group idea, the multiple Eucharist idea. Um, and then when we can all come together, let's all come together. Um, but we don't want to get into like, um, I don't know, Google signups or registration or whatever for, for worship services. That was our interpretation. Yours might be different. Um, so we ended up dumping that one and saying, no, we're not going to consider that. So the policies we came up with then are these, and yours might be different. The city group reporting, I've already talked about that. That's how we're getting some of the data. Health recommendations, we're just going to make sure that we put out the things that, that you have heard 100 times now. Um, don't come to any event if you have felt ill or shown any even mild symptoms, et cetera, et cetera, according to CDC, um, uh, according to CDC recommendations. Um, we, um, we're still working on the verbiage of all of this, but that's that's generally what we're going to end up saying to our folks. Uh, number three, location. We're saying if you're going to have an in-person gathering, groups are encouraged to meet outside whenever possible. But we also recognize that sometimes circumstances may call for indoor meetings. And so we encourage outdoors uh, as it seems safer and healthier according to the data that we have. But there may be times when you have to meet indoors and we're not going to tell you you can't. But we're going to say if you do, make sure that you take Proper precautions with that, um, and so we're just stressing again these guiding values, and so that we don't have a small group leader who Goes, oh, this is all just stupid. We're all going to sit together on the couch. No, we're asking you to, to to have deep consideration of these things, even if your own opinion is that we shouldn't be as strict on these things as we are. But that's part of unity uh, as one of our guiding values. Um, so masks, um, we we have said we're not mandating that, but we're having Small groups communicate that, and we're going to tell people any event that we do um, is going to, or any gathering that we have, it's going to state very specifically whether masks are required to be in that or not. Um, And so then people can make proper decisions as to whether they're going to be a part of it or, or not going to be a part of that particular gathering. Um, last two things on here. We, we want to continue to stress for folks, um, what we're calling safety and risk disclosure statements. And this isn't a CYA thing of like, we want to cover ourselves for liability. That, that's not our heart behind this. What we want to do is in all communication regarding in-person gatherings, we want to have a risk and disclosure statement that basically says, I'm sorry, a safety and risk disclosure statement that basically says, um, uh, if you wear 10 layers of gloves and two masks and stay 10 feet apart from everybody, there's still a risk that you're going to catch this virus. Um, and so there is a risk of us gathering together. And the reason we want to be able to say that is to say, look, we want you to make decisions that are proper according to Christian conscience in this, and that we're going to support you in either decision that you make. And, uh, and so we're not going to be going, well, the good Christians are going to be in the groups and the bad Christians aren't. That's not where we're coming from on this. And so we want to have a a safety and risk disclosure statement in this, that we're working on the verbiage of, of how exactly we're going to say that, but it's basically going to be what's in that paragraph right there Um, that we, we want to encourage our folks to make wise decisions uh, on whether they are a part of something or not, and we fully support them in that. Um, we also want them to know that we're not um, underestimating or devaluing the risk. We understand that there is risk involved, and these that that has been taken into con- deep consideration. In, in these decisions. So lastly, we're asking our people um, to take appropriate sanitation measures in any public ga- gathering. And we wanna have hand sanitizer available, masks uh, available, if, if at all possible, for folks who might have forgotten theirs but want one or whatever. Part of that is truly because uh, Um, some people think they work some people think they don't whatever but it's good sanitation um, policies but also there's an optics aspect of this too that that when people know that we've put forethought into having these kind of things there it's just a recognition of um of that that our heart is saying we 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 know we're not ignoring what's going on here it's it's an outward and visible sign of our of our of our inward concern for the safety of our people. Um is uh, and so having those kind of things in the forethought to have them there is gonna be reassuring to our folks and it's important to have them there as well. So those are the policies that we came up with. You might have some different ones. Uh, you'll have to work through that. And then finally, and this one's a lot faster, we just said, what are the next steps that we need to do here um, to uh, to roll this out, to, to to tweak this, whatever, that are not listed in this document, but we need to consider. So So we talked about how we're going to communicate. We need to come up with a communication strategy, asking the basic questions of what needs to be said, to whom, how, and by when. My uh, my undergraduate work is in, in communications, organizational communications. So this is a place where I get kind of excited. But that's the basics of any real communication strategy or communication plan is is the message and the audience and the channels by which you're going to communicate that um, that message, and then in deadlines and and timeliness of. Of, of that communication as well. So we need to put some thought into that and develop that communication strategy and get the right people around the table for that. We need to have a um, proper pastoral response. Are we prepared to help people who might have some kind of PTSD as we come out the other side of this, or, or social anxiety, or, um, or whatever it is that they are struggling with, or financial issues, or you name it. We want to, to anticipate those things, and then how can we love them and care for them well? So we have a pastoral team that is that is going to be looking into that. How do we need to prepare our staff well um, for them leading in the midst of this? And so what we did is we took this document, distilled it down, so they didn't have to see how all the sausage was made in this, but but communicated the proper parts of it, the values, and 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 some of the steps in here, and said, okay, here's our here's our strategies uh, here's our, um, uh, here's our policies. And we work through that with them. Um, and we'll ask a lot of questions, get feedback, et cetera. Uh, and then finally, how do we, how do we leverage our prayer teams and everyone in the church to just be intentionally praying for one another and for the leadership during this time and wisdom in these decisions. One thing that's not in print on here, but that, that is part of our process for this is that when we are now taking this and we are vetting this, with a bunch of different folks. We've run it by the staff to get their thoughts on this. The group that we put together, the regathering team uh, had representatives from the staff and the clergy and the vestry on there to, to be able to talk through these things that to help, fill out this template. We have a meeting coming up with some of the medical professionals within our church to say, can you, can, can, can we talk through this a little bit and and you help us to see where we haven't done something well or what we need to add. Or so we're getting their voices in this. The vestry is going to talk through this uh, as well, particularly about you can see that the financial section of this is not, is not very well defined yet. That's another, Scenario strategy, the vestry itself really needs to deal with through their fiduciary responsibility in the church. They're talking through that on Monday. And so by the time that we come around to the Zoom forum where we're going to roll this out uh, officially, um, literally dozens of eyes will have have looked on this and voices will have spoken into it. So it's a very transparent process. And going through this process, it's not a secret. I mean, we, uh, we put it on Facebook live today. We're, we're sending it out on this podcast uh, as well. Um, and so, um, uh, so it, it's not a secret by any means what we're, what we're going through. It's just, there, there, were, there has to be a time of sort of the official communication of this in its pretty final, at least at that moment, form. And so by that time, a lot of people will have input in it. And so this will not be uh, a decision that any one person has just authoritatively said, this is what's going to happen. But it's really a communally, uh, a communal-based decision uh, through a well-thought-out process, trying our best to steward this well, for the accomplishment of all those guiding values that we have the mission of christ the safety of our people unity in in community collaboration etc okay so 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 this is the process and then we left space in there for lingering questions like what else is out there that we need to go how do we how do we process through this and again um we've asked from our church and for everybody that's looking this and when i started to lead this discussion with our leadership the first thing i asked of them is a lot of grace because You know, I've never led a congregation through a how to regather uh, into public worship after forced lockdown in a pandemic. That's not an area of expertise that I have. And no one else in the church stepped up and said, oh, I've done this a bunch of times. Right. So so there's grace involved in this. And we're asking people for that. and We're asking people to trust and we're asking um, and we're trying to earn that trust as well by communicating well and, and being transparent and 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 making decisions in this that are very clear how we made them, why we made them and what the decisions are and how people can give feedback and interact with those things as well. And we recognize we're not going to make everybody happy. Um, um, but that 's impossible to be able to do. We, we want to make the right decisions in here in in the right way, but hopefully as as the church walks through this together and with their leadership that they can come out the other side and say we 've actually grown in our respect and trust for this body and for its leaders uh, and and for the church as a whole as a good witness in this and as a good neighbor in this so that's our process. Um, and uh, and I hope working through that helps some. I want to also offer to you that if there's any way that that uh, that I can help you in this process, I will be happy to be able to do that. You can find information on how to contact me and such on our webpage at always-forward.com. Um, so there's a, and under COVID resources, there's an email that you can click on in there to be able to contact me and I'll be happy to answer questions if I can on these things or point you to the right direction or tell you I don't know we don't we haven't figured that part of it out I'll be happy to do that too um, but this we this template is there for you to download in PDF form and I think we're gonna have it in pages form and word format as well for you to be able to take whatever parts of this are helpful to you our desire within always forward and within within the Anglican Church of North America is simply to serve you and to want Want to see you flourish. So hopefully this is helpful to you and, and and we are praying for all of our churches and all of our church plants and all of our established churches. We're praying for you as you make these very difficult decisions um, that, that the Lord will give you wisdom, that the Lord will give you peace and that he'll guide your steps. And uh and may the Lord come quickly to redeem this world, to restore this world. And and we long for the day when we'll be gathered around the throne of Jesus Christ and there is no more sickness and there is no more tears. And there are no more of these decisions and strategic plans like this. So bless you. We're here to help you and serve you. uh, And we love you in the name of Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening to the Always Forward podcast. Visit us at www.always-forward.com for more resources, to submit your questions, or to interact with us. See you next time.